Hello and welcome to Seared. Yes, it's a different intro. Normally you hear me, you hear the sizzle, <laughs> and then you hear me say, imagine this, and then I get into a story uh, from hospitality, culinary, something that either happened to me or someone that I worked with. And then after I tell the wild or wacky or sad poignant story, I get into the personal development, the life lessons, the insights, the wisdom, and share that with you that hopefully you can bring into your life. And that was the whole premise. That is the whole premise of this podcast. Now, I don't have to be locked and chained to that. And so for this episode, episode six, I thought, you know, let's go unscripted. It's a huge fear for me, and I'll tell you why. I'm a writer, first and foremost. And when I write, I can use, I use different words and an economy of words as well. I different ideas come to me when I'm writing that maybe don't come to me when I'm speaking. And also, I tend to use a lot of filler words like um and like and you know. <laughs> and I didn't want to like, see, I just said that. Uh, I didn't want to fill your earbuds with those words. I can also go on tangents. And that's another thing about me. My ADHD-esque brain goes down rabbit holes galore. And I like to be focused. But today, I'm going to jump into the discomfort puddle, pool, which is what I often uh, tell my clients, invite them to step into. Like, look, I have a blue index card with just some hastily scribbled words in here to prove that I am not going by a script. Now, what I did want to talk about today, the focus, I have a few questions that come to me often. I want to answer them really quickly. But really, the focus of this is my story, how I got into being a chef and I, as I've alluded in the last five episodes, is about my drinking. It's hard to differentiate the two. It's hard to disconnect the two because they were pretty much in concert. The, the amount of time that I was in the kitchens was pretty much the amount of time I was drinking. They, they were interlocked. And so it's hard for me to extricate the two, but I'll try to do my best. The drinking will come in. I'll go in and out of that. The reason for sharing this is, one, just so you get to know who I am a little bit more, and also to perhaps inspire or entertain or maybe get to someone, either maybe you're struggling with drinking or you want to get into the culinary world. And I did want to share maybe some tips on how to prepare for that or what to expect or what to focus on if you're new to the hospitality industry. So I want to thank you for being here. I also want to thank... Uh, on YouTube, I have almost 50 subscribers. Yay, excited. I would love to double that. I'm looking to get 100 by the end of October. It's almost mid-October now, the 10th or 11th, as of this recording. So I would love, if you're watching this and you like what you see so far, I please uh, subscribe. If you're listening to this, because for those of you who don't know, I record to camera and I also record on audio. And so if you're listening to this... I would love if you could drop a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this. Uh, if there's a subscription, please subscribe. I just want to be connected with you. And what happens is as we grow, it gets shown to more people, kind of opens up the algorithm. And I would love to just share more and reach more people. All right, enough of that. Let's get down to it. You know, one of the questions I've always gotten, or I still get to this day, when I tell people like, yeah, I'm a retired chef, the first question is, what is your favorite food? What is your, they want to get out of me. Like, first of all, I'm the worst person to ask for what's the best restaurant because I don't go to all the, I don't even know 
the high-end restaurants. I don't know the fancy places. I don't know the in and cool spots. I don't. I go to like Ethiop the, the same Ethiopian restaurant. <laughs> My wife and I have been going for the last ten years. I like the little, you know, the little South American places or the little. So I don't go to fine dining restaurants. So my favorite food, and I say this in jest, but it's there's a lot of truth to it. My favorite food is the one that I didn't have to cook. <laughs> That's my favorite food. That's my favorite meal. You can make me craft dinner. You can make me macaroni and cheese out of a box, and I will be happy. I will be thrilled. You know why? Because I didn't have to make it. <laughs> like, imagine if your job, you know, let me use an example. If you're an Uber driver or Lyft driver, and you're driving people all day, and then you go home, and you have to drive your family to and from, and your friends ask you, can you drive? Wouldn't it be nice to sit in the passenger seat for once? Wouldn't it? That you you can actually relax a little bit. You don't have to be looking for traffic and navigating. Just to sit. That's the same with me. I would love to just sit and someone bring me a meal, and I know that it's made with love, and they want to nourish me and take care of me. To me, that's the best-tasting meal. And again, I don't care what it, it could be a peanut butter sandwich. I love that. And I know people, that's not the answer people want, but that's the only one I, that makes sense to me and gives me joy. I love when people cook for me because I know, because here's the other thing too. The other thing I used to get all the time, and if you're a chef, you will understand this, is people say, I was going to invite you to my place, but you're a chef and I was so afraid that you'll, or people will say, I made this, oh, please just be gentle with it. I, I'm, I'm like, dude, that's beautiful. I love that you would you make this. Why would I critique it? Or you knucklehead, why didn't you invite me? I would have loved to hang out with you and just be with you. I'm not there. It's not a restaurant. And here's the thing too. I don't go and critique everyone's food. That's the only time I've ever critiqued food if I was paid, like do an article, or when I was really new and I wanted to kind of show off my chops and like, oh, this should be... I think if you're still doing that, you're either new to the business or you're a dick or you're both. <laughs> That's it. I would not dream of saying, well, this needs more salt and you should have seared this longer. That's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, so that happens as well. I was like, no, invite me. I love, I would love to try your food because there's something about, it's a way of nourishing someone in a different way. It's not just food. And that's one of the reasons I got into, um, into the culinary. You know, I didn't grow up. I didn't have one of those stories. You hear a lot of chefs say, oh, I remember being three at my grandma's apron strings and she showed me how to make gnocchi. And I don't have any. I have none of those stories. That's not my experience. You know, I started cooking because I just I, I liked to eat. <laughs> and my mom was a fine cook. I just I just went through magazines and books and found recipes that I thought were interesting or cookbooks my mom had. And started to play around. I used to watch, like on PBS, there was no Food Network back then. There was no cult of personality. There wasn't the, like to me, cooks and chefs were like bridge trolls. Like they were just in the back, you know, with, they just smelled of cabbage and just, you know, whatever. You know, sailors and they had tattoos, whatever. There was no representation of that, a positive one, on TV. And so there were a few shows on PBS. And, and here in Canada, there was, back in the day, there was like Walk With The Ann. Um, the one that really got me in, and I, I love this guy. I don't, I don't know. I was going to look and see if he's still with us. He was an older gentleman, uh, the urban peasant. <clears throat> and he was this older guy, like grayer than I am now. And he just kind of huffed and puffed around. I don't, he, I don't know what he made. And he would just make up stuff on the phone. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was so awesome. It's like, well, if you don't have wine, use apple juice. If you don't have apple juice, use you know, use battery acid. If you don't have battery acid, drag your chicken over the driveway in the hot sun. Like, whatever. I don't know what he said. It was just, but it was awesome. And it was nice to see a guy, like, cooking. Because a lot of the shows were, were, were women. And, and so that really sparked things up. And I think it was, as I was jumping around school and I was going to college for this, a university, I couldn't find my place. And uh, I think it was my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, or my dad, or I can't remember. It's blurry. Someone said, why don't you go be a, a chef why don't you become a cook i'm like nah, blah, blah, and i just you know i dismissed but then later i was like maybe i should look into this and i did and i said you know what it's a one-year program i'll check it out and i loved it i was immediately in love and i was passionate and i bought tons of books and the internet was still very new so i was looking at menus from around the world and i had a binder this thick maybe two of them that i printed up i killed my toner uh printing up menus and I would study them. And I, I filled like two Ikea shelves full of cookbooks. That was the only thing I spent money on. And I really got into it and I really practiced my craft. And I started to move up. You know, I went to really good restaurants and I started to learn from great chefs. I also learned how not to do things and especially around leadership. And as I got better, I started to move up. And started to run kitchens or be a sous chef somewhere or whatever it is. And then I started to play around. I got into, I did a bit of television, like behind the scenes. I met some, a lot of great celebrity chefs back in the day. Um, I did private chefing. I did catering. Um, takeaway, you know, you go in and they have food and you pick it. I did that kind of stuff. Um, I've worked in different kinds. I've taught at, at colleges, a couple of colleges, culinary colleges. Uh, you name it, large quantity, fine dining. Fine dining was really my, my thing. I worked at a sports and entertainment complex. I worked at a, you know corporate. I worked at hotel. So I had a lot of experience playing around with different things. Now, at the same time, of course, I was drinking. And I don't mean just hanging out with the boys after work. That did happen. But it got very... Uh, it, it really integrated itself. Because being in that world where alcohol is freely available <clears throat> and people do go out and hang out, um, it was, it was easy, easy for it to enable my drinking because it was the norm, right? Like it wasn't like I worked in an accountant's office. You know, sometimes you drink on the line or you whatever it is. And that put a hamper. You know, for a while it was like, yeah, party and do all that stuff. But it really hampered me because it was really pushing my ambition down. It, I was jumping around a lot. Uh, I was burning bridges. I was uh, missing shifts. I was, it was just, it didn't work out in the end. And what I got, what got lost in there was that passion, you know, and, and when I got sober, I was still back in the industry and I refound that passion. It got re-sparked, but, but eventually I found that that really wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. You know, I was more interested in leadership and interested in mentoring and guiding rather than you know, chopping and slicing and julienning and searing. Like that stuff was fine, but it just, that spark had gone. And it served me well, you know, being, I can go anywhere in the world right now and, and cook. And I've traveled and done that before. But one thing I have learned in all of this is it can be a grind. You know, they say talk about follow your passion, but there's also something called follow your grunt. 
And a lot of times we start things and we're, we may not be passionate about it, but we become passionate about it because we do it so often, right? So sometimes we, we get it backwards. And while I did have a passion at the beginning, a lot of what the work is, it is a grind. It's awful at times. It, it's, I've got a herniated disc. I've had carpal tunnel. I've had all sorts of injuries, all sorts of stuff that to this day I still have because of being in a kitchen working 70, 80, 90 hours a week even for forever. <laughs> like days off, what's that? And that was accepted. That was part of the norm. I, I know a lot of that is starting to change now. But back then, that was just what it was, and in some cases still is. And so I followed my grunt, and I kept grinding it, because there was a few times I'm like, maybe I should do something else, but I don't know anything else, really. But then that would fuel the passion, and then that would get me through the thing. And now add drinking into that, and it was all this beautiful, cozy, ugly mess that it did well for me until it didn't do well for me. So as I moved up, you know, had a lot more responsibility too. And this is where I learned the leadership stuff. And this is where I learned how to manage people. You know, I, 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 there's a joke I say all the time. I used to say this with my, my colleagues is the food is the easy part. It's the people, right? It's the people. Like it, there's times where we romanticize about being on the line and just cooking and that's it. And I remember, because I used to do tons of recruiting. I've seen thousands and thousands of, of, of resumes. I've done hundreds of interviews I've fired more people than I can, you know, happy to even admit or uh, <laughs> embarrassed to admit. Um, but it was, okay, I just lost my train. <laughs> Excuse me. I'll have to go back and maybe edit something in there. Um, but, okay, I've totally lost my train. It'll come back to me. See, this is what happens when I don't script. Um, but, yeah, so the food is easy part. There you go. And I would get these old cats coming in. They used to run like you know, uh, ships like cruise lines and be the chef there. And, and they just wanted to cook. And I'm like, dude, I should be working for you. And I didn't get it at the time. Now I get it. Cause there were times I'm like, I would just love to just cook just for the fun of cooking. And it's just leadership is a whole new skill set, And I love that too. It's, it's just a different way of, of looking at things and looking at people interacting with people. And that's why I talk about it. And, and, of course, coaching, which is what I do now and have done for the last five years, that was like a, a segue because when I was done with, with cooking, I'm like, what do I do now? I don't know anything else. And again, the same thing. Someone said, you really love doing one-on-one. It was actually my wife. You love doing one-on-one. Why don't you become a cook? I'm like, nah, or become a coach. I'm like, nah, forget. <laughs> That's my default. Like, ah. And But again, I looked into it and I studied. And I'm like, this is it. Because one of the things I loved about culinary is that mentoring one-on-one -on -one, and coaching can be one-on-one. -on -one. So that's how I got into coaching and that's how I got into leadership and right now, and also the creative. I, I talk a lot about creativity and that's something I, I love working with people on is because it, it is all creative and I don't, you don't have to be an artist to be creative. You don't have to be a painter or a dancer, or a musician. You can be a, a creative in how you do a spreadsheet. You can be creative in how you organize a system. You can be creative in how you, you know, run your household. You can be creative in, in how you, you know, run your sports team. If you're a little league or anything like that, creativity abounds. I mean, I think we come from creator, and so we create. And so cooking also is an expression of of of, of that creation. I learned a lot about you know, negative space and art and composition and all that from, from working on the line. 
a lot of life lessons on the line, which is why, again, on this podcast, I like to talk about this. So in terms of, you know, the ugliness of my culinary cuisine, drinking definitely was a big part of it. And I had to take breaks, you know, I had to go, I went for treatment at 40. I got sober at 40. And I had to make a lot of amends. And a lot of those people were people in the hospitality industry. And it was very emotional. And the support I got was amazing. People that I thought would just want to clock me one. Actually, some of them said they thought that I wanted to meet them for me to clock them. <laughs> We're like, no. And by the end, we'd be hugging and crying. <laughs> it's amazing. It's an amazing journey. And it all stemmed from this desire to want to make a difference. And I wanted to step into the culinary world and make a difference. I didn't need to be the next Paul Bocuse. I didn't need to be any of those top chefs. And again, like I said, speaking of top chefs, there were there was no television. So there was nothing for me to kind of base anything on. But I just knew inside that I wanted to, to make a change. And by that, it was be nourishing people in all the different ways. And I had to get screwed up and screw things up big time, especially with the drinking, uh, to realize in the end when I got sober, like this is, it's a beautiful thing to do. You know, I still, I'm not in the industry. I don't follow a lot of people, but I still do. I do watch, you know, on social media and, and, you know, YouTube. And I still follow a lot of, in terms of watching cooks and watching new cooks. And I love the new shifts and I love the new changes. And I love seeing the the passing of the torch. I I love that still because it's it's so important. And in fact, you know, one of my my newest clients is uh, a chef. And he used to work for me 20 years ago. And that's how we reconnected. And it's, I realized that's something I wanted, I'd love to work more with, you know, in terms of chefs who have gotten to a certain point and, and trying to figure out what they want to do and how they want to do it. And I think that's because that was me. And uh, if you're a coach listening to this, you know, you're, you love helping people who, where you were at some point. And so this is something that I really enjoy. Now, of course, I work with a wide range of other people uh, in terms of, you know, life issues, uh, business, entrepreneurs. I do a whole thing. You can go to my website and you can check it all out. It's, it's in the notes. Um, but there's a special place in my heart, of course, for those who are in the hospitality industry. And that includes front of house as well. Because ah, front of house, oh my gosh, I love front of house. I've been, there was this whole us versus them in the back that I hated. I hated it. And so I was always trying to smooth things over between front house and back house. We're on the same team. And uh, it was something, I used to hang out with a lot of front of house. And at one point I was training to be a sommelier. I know. (laughs) Believe me or not, it wasn't so I can get like hammered all the time. I really did love picking out nuances. Anyway, it was, I, but then of course the drinking stopped. <laughs> you can't be, you can't be a sober sommelier unless you're a tea sommelier or a water sommelier, which I have worked with. Um, anyway, <laughs> before this gets too long, um, I'll probably talk about more about the drinking later in another one, uh, because there's a lot more to unpack there. Clearly the chefing is pretty much straightforward. And there's so much more I can talk about uh, being in the chef world. This is just a very big overview. But 
you know, one of the things that I've always been asked is what advice would I give to someone who wants to start out as a chef or a cook, you know, whatever you want to call it. To me, someone, a cook is someone who cooks. Like all chefs are cooks, but not all cooks are chefs. Chef to me is someone in leadership position. So if you want to become a cook, you know, I see a lot, I hear a lot of people saying they love cooking at home. Should I be a, should I be a chef? I'm like, I don't know. It's a tough gig. You know, I, I, I would hate to see this beautiful passion of yours get crushed <laughs> under repetition and harsh conditions and et cetera, et cetera. But some people really have a drive for it. And of course I encourage that. But what I would, the advice I would give to someone is, and I was able to do this when I was teaching at college, uh, is a few things. One, humility. There's nothing worse than a cocky cook. And I have not hired many talented cooks because they were cocky. I would rather hire someone with, with like someone who's got humility and a good character, who's willing to be taught and who's eager to learn but maybe struggles with their knife. See, I can help them with their knife skills. I can help them with the culinary part. I can't help with the character part much. I can influence, but I would rather have someone who has that great character and willingness to learn and struggles with the culinary stuff. I can work with that. The other person I can't work with. If they're coming in hot and cocky and guns are blazing and they're distractive and they're toxic, I'm like, no, I don't want you anywhere near my kitchen. So come in it with the attitude of a beginner's mindset. You might have been you might have been the top person in your culinary school. No one cares. <laughs> I hate to tell you this. No one gives a shit. When I would hire someone, I'm like, show me your scores at school. No, I don't care who to me, you're just like a potato peeler at the moment. You know, if you're young, if it's entry level. And that's expect that too. A lot of people that leave culinary school, I don't know what they're t- teaching them there. I sound like an old Kaji bugger right now uh they feel like they they think people are going to hire them to do their food costing and run their run their kitchens i'm like dude you're you're going to be peeling potatoes for the next three months so wrap your head around that that's what's going to happen so be have a beginner's mindset be willing to do the things that you may not want to do so then later you can start doing the things that you get to do and so yes Peel all those potatoes, but if you have questions, ask them. I used to do that too as an apprentice. Do all the dirty, grimy stuff, and then later bug the chefs and like, how do you do this? How do you make this? And then they will do it because they see that you're that you want to learn. And but also that you're a hard worker. If you're just pestering them while you're not getting your own work done, they're not going to share anything with you. And so it's beginner's mindset, humility, a willingness to do to go through the rough stuff. And also just being curious, right? I learned so much from like dishwashers, from from front of house staff, from all, like just be curious, right? And because this is endless. You can, I can have 20 lifetimes on this earth and still know 1% of 1% of what's out there in the culinary world. Like just all the traditions and, and just ways of doing things and the story behind it and all that kind of stuff. It's you're forever learning new dishes, old classics, whatever it is. Um, and lastly, I would say is just listen, just listen. There's so much to, we are so inundated 
with talking and talking and talking and talking and so much out there. And we want to, and we, you know, again, to humility, we think we know it all and we don't know jack shit. So just listen, listen to what others have to say. You may not have to agree with it, but as you listen and absorb, you start to create your own style. You start to create your own ways of, of approaching things. You create a new philosophy. You create your way of doing things. But it starts with listening and absorbing and taking in what's around you. And then making the adjustments, that, the things that work for you. And here's the thing. You're, you're going to be working for chefs who have their way. And they've, they've created their way for their reason. And the owners, or if they're the owner, they've, that's the vision they hold. So you may not agree with everything that the chef has to say or, or how they approach things, but you do it. Because to be a good leader, you need to be a good follower. And how would you like it when you come up with your own place or you're running your own kitchen and people want to do their own thing their way? You wouldn't appreciate it. So as, as, as a leader in training, you need to be a great follower. All right, that's all I got. <laughs> I'm out of gas. You know, we're... The, the propane's been shut off the grill. We're done. Um, but thank you. Thank you for this. And I hope this maybe satiated any curiosity about my story. And again, this is just, it was a very high level. Uh, or maybe entertained or educated. And like I said, we'll probably do this uh, more often because there's a lot more there, especially around the drinking and getting sober. Uh, but if you have any questions, cause you know, I love the idea of maybe doing a Q and a where there's a whole bunch of questions and I answer them in this kind of format. Uh, you can leave a comment, a question as a comment in you on the, on the YouTube channel, or if you're listening, you can email me. I have all the deets, uh, in the show notes, my email address, uh, website and where you other places you can get a hold of me. You can DM me on any of the other channels that I'm on Instagram and TikTok, etc. And don't forget to follow me there. Uh, so, all right. Don't forget. Uh, Want to get notifications? Hit the bell if you're on YouTube. Like, subscribe, all the good stuff. If you are listening on iTunes, Spotify. Likewise, just leave a comment, leave a review. That would be really... You'd be doing me a solid if you could do that. So thank you very much, guys. And you know the deal. Kitchen's closed. Now scram. Scram. <laughs>